Welcome to Candela. I'm Christopher Hooton. I'm joined here as ever by Alan Scheller. How are you doing, Al? Very well. Good day. Good day, sir. Well, thanks everybody for continuing to listen to the show. Actually, um, noticed this week that we've now hit hit number one in the Apple Podcast Visual Arts charts in 31 countries, which is, you know, gratifying that all these words we're saying are actually reaching people. So thank you for listening. Yes, it's wonderful. So thank you everybody for listening indeed. Yes. Um, this week it's just me and Alan and we thought we'd talk a little bit about compromise as a topic because it is actually something that we all come like run into all times in, in with creativity even though but it's not necessarily that spoken about that much. So I thought today to kind of give people a sense of what exactly we mean and in what context I thought it would give you start with a very extreme example which and I'm going to literally just read this from Wikipedia incidentally people like rag on Wikipedia and say it's it's like not legit but actually it's got it's way more peer-reviewed than most other things you know most other things like an article runs yeah. by like two people Wikipedia there's thousands of people checking I think, it so I think maybe when it started it was a bit yeah. sketchy but now now that it's it's so difficult to get anything approved on there that I think it's fair <laughs> I agree so this is um from the page on the film American History X, which I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen. And this is about the release of the movie and its director, Tony Kay. Kay's original cut of the finished film had a runtime of 95 minutes, which was delivered on time and within budget. Although it generated a positive response from test screenings, New Line Cinema insisted on further edits to the film. Kay was mortified, saying, I'm fully aware that I'm a first-time director, but I need the same autonomy and respect that Stanley Kubrick gets. Soon afterwards, Norton was involved, that's Edward Norton, with editing alongside Kay, which was a difficult experience for the pair. At one point, Kay punched a wall which resulted in stitches to his hand. In June 1998, the film studio test screened a second cut of the film which included changes made by Norton. The studio tried to persuade Kay to release Norton's cut, but he objected. Although the differences between the two cuts are disputed, Kay objected to an additional 18 minutes of footage and they disagreed with the length of certain scenes such as a family argument, Norton's anti-immigration speech and a flashback where Norton's father is criticising a teacher. Subsequently, the studio compromised and gave Kay an extra eight weeks to edit and submit a new cut of the film. During this period, Kay took a number of combative actions, spending $100,000 on advertisements in the Hollywood press and condemning the behaviour of Norton and the studio. American History X was due to premiere at the 1998 Toronto International Film Festival. However, Kay demanded that the organisers withdraw the film. On July 28, 1998, after the eight-week deadline, Kay had nothing new to show and the studio announced that it would release Norton's cut. Kay attempted to remove his name from the film credits, applying for various pseudonyms including Humpty Dumpty, a request that the Directors Guild of America refused. (laughs) Kay subsequently filed a $200 million lawsuit against DGA and New Line Cinema, although the case was dismissed in 2000. Kay disowned the film, describing the released version, which is 24 minutes longer than his own cut, as a total abuse of creativity and crammed with shots of everyone crying in each other's arms. Kay's behaviour caused Hollywood to view him as unemployable, and he did not watch the film until June 2007. He later admitted that my ego got in the way, and that was entirely my fault. Whenever I can, I take the opportunity to apologise. So that's a very extreme example of someone not being willing to compromise, and I didn't bring that up to try and shame Tony in every way, and obviously he looks back at it and thinks, oh, I really lost it there. But clearly there is this strong sense of like how you work with other people and what you're going to give to and what you think is important to stick to. Mm. So, Al, I guess starting more like broadly, as you sort of focused your career as a, as a photographer and after coming out of having 
done a little bit of music, a somewhat frustrating period in your life, I think. Like, how did you approach doing photography back when, you know, you couldn't even make money from it and you didn't know whether it was going to be like a viable career for you? What was your thought process? Um, well, the, the most beautiful thing about being a completely amateur photographer, and what I mean by that is like strictly someone who's not doing it for money, uh, is that you have no compromise at all. It's just your your own thing, and uh, and that's that. And then the the further down the line you go, the more things attached to it, and the less time you actually spend uh, doing your art or whatever you want to call it. And um, yeah, the more kind of pressure you put on yourself as well and it becomes a completely different thing and like i suppose particularly in a commercial sense the more that you yeah the, the more people who are present on a shoot obviously there's a there's a compromise because you're working for someone and it's uh they're they're using your eye um to achieve something that they want and you can't just be completely bullish and say this is how we're going to do it even though you have a much better idea how it should probably be done than anyone else in the room. Uh, you still have to placate people and make them feel involved. And and they do have, you know, they they might want to access your vision, but not completely replicate it. They might want it attached, you know, to you to blend in with their project rather than it just be all about you, which is something that is quite a dangerous line to skate. Like I've done a few, I don't do like loads and loads of commercial jobs, uh, but I, some of the ones I've done um, have varied from them being like, do what you want, like just have fun. Like I've done some tourism board stuff where they just say like, just go out there and do what you want for two weeks and deliver some files, which mm. is like the absolute dream um, where they just trust you. Uh, but then there are other ones where it gets very nitpicky and I found particularly in like the editing process where they just want loads and loads of re-edits and it's just uh, completely bonkers and annoying. But I think the most important thing is to be very assertive and like confident in your own style and, and, and importantly to have a style because then you can, uh, you know, you have to have an opinion that they take as valid. They can't just write you off. Whereas if you're just like a hired gun, um, you're in a very weak position uh, and you basically just have to do whatever they want. Yeah. Which is fine if you're not interested in it. If you're just doing photography or filmmaking as a money maker, which is daft. <laughs> uh, if anyone gets into it to make money, like just for the money sense, it's crazy. But yeah, yeah if if you kind of resign any creative uh, aspirations for that project, uh, then it's fine to to let people do whatever you want. But I I'm not like that. I, I like to work on things where I'm involved. But it's very important to yeah, like I said to. Uh, make sure that you're not uh, coming across as too bullish. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think if you, like you say, if you so much play the kind of nice guy, I'm here to do whatever you like, you do sort of, you are sometimes in danger of devaluing yourself a little bit. Um, it's a bit like the difference between kind of film and TV directors where film directors are often a little bit more auteur and they bring their own thing to a subject, whereas a TV director's like, what's it going to be? Comedy? Horror? Drama? I got it. I can do it. So it's a, <laughs> it's a difficult line to tread. I think it's, it's something, it's a topic kind of close to my heart because, yeah, I remember when I was writing just purely about films, um, I think when I came out of university, you know, like everyone, like a lot of people, I was like, I don't really, what do I want to do? I seem like I'm okay at writing. Maybe I'll do this. This sort of seems like, you know, I felt that pressure growing up 
um, you know, that I have to go out into the world and try and make a living, you know, and get a sensible job and not, you know, almost not dream too big in a way. So I think I compromised in a sense by being like, right, I'm not going to go saying, oh, I'm going to be a film director because that's too like pie in the sky. But I'm not mm. like, I don't feel like I'm willing to do something that I know is not going to keep me happy. So I'll sort of find this intermediate ground of of film journalism, which, you know, was was fantastic. And I'm very lucky and, and thankful to have done it. But ultimately, it did leave me feeling a little bit like I'd compromised too much. And now I'm trying to switch that up a little bit. And, um, you know, kind of more just just push for things that really, really excite me. Mm. Well, that uh, for a creative, that early stage is so so important, and it's really annoying because it's frustrating because you're you know not not I don't mean you I mean one is at a certain age where you very few people have a very sure sense of what direction they want to go in and like artistically what what their goal is or and they usually don't have a portfolio that's worth much you know mm. to anyone but you've got to make like these clever decisions that will define things later on it is tricky isn't it you yeah you're you're literally setting out the path you're on at a moment when you're really just too like young to be or in such a like naive position to be doing that and um i mean i know i'm sure you you had a similar experience where like both of our parents i think we came from more sort of like empirical professions and stuff and rather than creative ones and mm. i you know I, I have absolutely wonderful parents i love them to death but they they definitely sort of i think made me feel like you know you need to be realistic about jobs and if anything i wish that perhaps i had been a little bit more like a bit more of a, a dreamer in some strength since straight away yeah although for some people i think it takes them time to realize that uh you know to go down that road and, and it makes a lot of sense on paper to not put all your eggs in the yeah extremely fragile risky basket of uh of the visual arts world or the music world for that matter um and i think i was a bit i don't know like like thinking back I, i'm really pleased that i made those the decisions to go into music and just to try it off, right off the bat but it does make me feel a bit sick like thinking how easily uh things could have gone horribly wrong and how I would probably, if I had children one day, would never recommend that route mm -hmm. to anyone, even though I kind of did it myself. Um, I've just always, my, my logic was whatever you do in life, you know, whether you're a, a lawyer or a fisherman or a photographer or whatever, uh, you've just got to, like, if you want to be successful, you have to just bang that drum all day long. Yeah. And, and you've got to work really, really, really hard. And, I just kept saying to my dad, like, I don't see, you know, the difference between working really hard at photography versus working really hard at being a lawyer because people need lawyers and people also need photographs and photographs everywhere. It's like, why can't, you know, it's still a, a legitimate business in which you can succeed, surely. Mm. And and just, you know, I, I don't buy that argument of, um, you know, oh, you know, they're, they're like, oh, the, there's a hundred thousand bands in London trying to make it. It's like, well, yeah, but not all of them are taking it very seriously. And, you know, some of them just <laughs> doing it for fun. Some of them are never going to make it based on just their abilities. Some of them are, you know, it's, it, I just don't see, I, I don't see the, the, you know, the argument of there are so many people doing this, therefore you shouldn't try it. Uh, I think it's more, you've just got to, do it differently and uh, do it in an interesting way and try and focus on being consistent 
in any kind of walk of life and that's what tends to set people apart and it's the, that um like integrity to try and get that in your own work yeah i mean your your, your point about bands kind of reminds me of what uh, wally fister was saying us to us about outliers and about you know um the, t- the whole idea of putting 10,000 hours into anything and you know the Beatles as much as they were great songwriters they also just played a hell of a lot of shows earlier on in their career and became good and tight um, yeah I think one sort of one sort of issue in the other direction where I sometimes feel like people don't necessarily compromise enough is like sometimes I've definitely known people where they they just they've suddenly they suddenly decided they're gonna like drop everything they're doing and like go and like write a big novel and sometimes it's kind of like you gotta be you maybe I mean maybe there's a chance that that will absolutely work work out and they'll write the most fantastic thing and there'll be one of those zero to hero stories. But you know if you're not if you're not cresting a wave and in a position where you think you can get a novel taken seriously by like an agent or a publisher, maybe you need to like try and you know get a, a base in place first before you decide to like dramatically like quit your career and like go to a desert island and write the next great american novel you know because that's quite a lot of mm. pressure you're putting on yourself yeah absolutely it's kind of like I, i've always thought that in creative pursuits you you do have to kind of be totally obsessed with it and totally absorbed in it in order for it to work and i guess compromise and sacrifice can be somewhat tied in a way uh like compromising on things in your life mm. like in order to do to pursue something um but I, you know for, for when i discovered photography i i just really just got obsessed with it like lots of people do and i just wanted like it didn't seem like a sacrifice at all it's uh, but i was just instead of like going out and doing things that i normally would have done i, I kind of just spent all my time just taking photographs yeah and just got really, really, really into it. Yeah, like you go, you go out shooting pretty much every day, and I know you don't do that yeah. because you feel like, oh well, I better, I better go and do it now. I know you, you like whether you're cycling or walking around. I know you quite enjoy that part of your day, and obviously that's that's crucial. Yeah, massively. I, I've I've said it on this podcast before that I I actually feel like a day has been wasted if I haven't mm. at least attempted to create to to do something creative. Yeah, uh, and I don't know why that's that's just become a thing. Uh, that I I kind of live live with, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's cool. I I think similarly, once someone once said, I have this thing where I always like hold on to good quotes in my mind, but I can never actually remember who said them. It's very <laughs> infuriating. <laughs> but someone saying that like if if writing a script is like it's not going to work unless you enjoy it. If you kind of have, to, if you look at it as like, oh, right, okay, it's time. I'm going to sit down. Let's try and bash out a thousand words today. Mm. It's, you know, it's going to be very difficult. You've got to be able to like relish it and be like, oh, that sounds like a fun thing to do. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to watch TV today. I want to do that. That sounds fun. If you're able to yeah. get there, that's when I think good stuff happens. But that's the, that's so, so leading off from that point, the, so what happens when you end up having to do it commercially and you hate what you're doing? <laughs> Uh, that that that's the the slog is you know the eternal battle of money versus creativity uh and it would be great to always get jobs that were creatively fulfilling and also well paid but it's it's not a it's not a uh common thing usually yeah i suppose you have to sort of you make a judgment in your mind don't you like is this a, is this a commercial project that i really actually creatively believe in and my name is going to be tied to it in a big way so therefore it's very important that I kind of 
maintain some integrity and don't allow myself to compromise too much. And then there are some that you're taking because, you know, everybody got to eat, you got to do some work and maybe it's not your favorite thing. Um, and you're like, you know what, I need to just make this experience as easy as possible for the client and easy as possible for me and like move through it. And I guess those are two sort of different, different experiences. Mm. I mean, just looking at like some of the most successful photographers and artists and musicians, it, it, there's a very tangible sense of, of what they do and who they are and what they put out. And they feel quite uh, uncompromising in that way. Uh, but I'm sure that, you know, when working on projects, they, you know, and, and collaborating on, on various things like like these people do, you, you end up having to put your ego aside a bit and uh, mm. <laughs> kind of you know work within the boundaries of someone else's project uh and but i i don't think you really get into the position where you can have those opportunities unless you have a very very uh tight portfolio in whatever pursuit that you do yeah for so sure. it's uh it's, it's a funny one like you have to be like super creative on the side and uh i think matt stewart said it in in the pod in our episode with him he said he's got uh two hats oh, yeah. he's got like what was it he said? It was, like um, a, it was like a bowler hat, wasn't it, for when he's doing... You yeah, know. yeah, it was like the guy in the beanie hat and the guy in the top hat. And he's like, the guy in the top hat feeds the guy in the beanie hat. Yeah. Uh, but the beanie, but the top hat guy wouldn't have got there without the beanie hat guy either. So there's kind of like this, <laughs> this cycle of... Uh, I feel like it might have been a beret, but I know Matt used to skateboard, so maybe a beanie kind of works as well. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> thought about a beanie. I think I've seen him wearing a beanie a couple of times. <laughs> um yeah but yeah it's i mean what one of my fears is i've actually like turned down some things which don't which have just made no sense uh like you know like photographing food for example in color mm. why why on earth anyone would want me as a photographer to photograph food in color for them i i don't know but i've been approached for it and it's like surely there are better choices <laughs> out there or people who are much more experienced in that sector you know, and and that's part of it because I I don't want people to go online and you know maybe f find my work on Instagram or in a magazine or whatever, and then um, go on Google and try and find out more. Then you know, fourth image on Google image search is like a picture of some chicken on on a on a bed of lettuce. You know, <laughs> that's that that's not what I want. Yeah, and that's such a thing, isn't it? Like, because your your digital footprint is so big now. You know, in back in the day. There was obviously, you know, this whole thing about you'd, you'd see these movie actors pop up in adverts and like sometimes that would be cool. Sometimes it'd be a bit embarrassing, but that was kind of it. But now it's like everything you do with it is kind of like on the record and will be in your sort of search history for it or like your search results for the rest of time. So it's, it's interesting. Was it so I, I've even like said before, like I'll do this project, but uh, I don't want my name attached to it at all. Hmm. And but somehow it still found its way <laughs> online. Like whether it's embedded in the file or like maybe yeah they've uploaded it and it's called you know like Alan Shaller shoot image twenty eight, and so it just like turns up. And I've just seen things. I've been like I'm on the article and I was like it doesn't have my name here anywhere. But how how's this bloody <laughs> picture turned up? It's so annoying. But yeah, it's um. It's definitely something to consider. Yeah, I think I've, yeah, I've kind of, I do feel like I've learned a little bit actually on this topic. Like I, I remember when I was on on staff uh, at The Independent, I was always very like, I am a bit of a perfectionist and I always wanted to 
I always wanted things to be, you know, even if they weren't things that I was directly doing, just things at the business to be done well, because, which is a, a noble thing, you know, I'm literally doing that just because I want, you know, all ships to rise along with me and I want the place to do well, but kind of got to a stage where I'd be like, oh, well, you know, why are we putting out social media posts that are just straight up clickbait? Like I know in the short term, that's really good for hits, but in the long term, it's not probably going to be a bit damaging to the brand and stuff. And and it would just, I would end up just causing not, not trouble for myself, but just making for sort of arduous days of like trying to kind of argue for something even though you know your heart's in the right place and I think now maybe especially now I'm freelance and I work you know sort of project to project rather than full-time for someone I'm much more happy to just sort of be like you want that change you you have that change sir <laughs> like I might you know obviously if I think it's the, the worst or the worst suggestion for an amend of all time I'll say something but you know if it's a minor thing I'm way more inclined to be like you know what you're paying the bill it's pick, fine pick I'll make battles, the change yeah. yeah it's a pick your battles thing I guess yeah, I mean, the Independent, uh, bless them, they rapidly just, like, went into that clickbait thing. Uh, I feel like if you start to, like, chip away at your integrity, even a little bit, people just remember that stuff. Mm. It's it's like people always remember negative things over positive things. Like, if I said to you, you know, if you're like, oh, how do I look today? And I, and I said, great, yeah. And, and I said, you look great a hundred times. And then one time I said, you look terrible or you look, you know, like that's the one that tends to stick in people's minds yeah. rather than the, you know, it's not like, oh, you said a hundred times great, one time's bad. It's like, it just kind of resonates as that almost. And, and, and <laughs> I think that it's the same thing with people's portfolios online as well. And like, you got to be so careful to only put up the best stuff because people are just looking for the, for a picture they don't like. It's so true, you know, and and then to be like, oh well, they did that one. That's that's pretty shit. So uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it actually makes me think of this is going to be an a rare departure. Rather than quoting Henri Cartier-Bresson on this podcast, I'm actually going to quote Drake, <laughs> <laughs> who, nice. uh, who I believe has one line that's like, uh, they they shout out my failures and whisper my accomplishments. I know that's so true, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so wise, <laughs> so wise. <laughs> He was also the man who, uh, I believe, coined the term uh, hotline bling. <laughs> truly, truly a modern day prophet, that man. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, you know, John Yeah, John Travolta made that film Gotti fairly recently that was like renowned for being atrocious. And it's like, you know, John Travolta's made some fucking incredible films, but now yeah. at, least for, at least for the next five years, he's probably going to be remembered for things like that. But um well, that's the thing, and it, it makes you wonder. Like, he's definitely not. Well, I, I don't know his personal situation, but uh, he, I doubt he's doing it for the money. I think mm. he's good. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's you know if if the script isn't like completely amazing, I'd just say no, probably. <laughs> but maybe I mean it's just it's uh, it's it's very tricky with films though because you know sometimes it actually can look all right on paper and then just it just for some reason it just does not work at all on screen. Um, well, I remember, you know, the Mummy, the, the Mummy films, uh, Brandon Fraser and Rachel, Rachel Weisz, Weiss, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Where um, the first film was like obviously just a bit ridiculous. You know, I, I thought it was brilliant when it came out. Well, I was quite young when it came out, and then the second one was just god awful. And the third one that came out was even worse, and it did the classic kind of zero, like trilogy thing of just getting steadily worth and trying to squeeze money out of a franchise mm. um but rachel white's on the third one read it and she was integral to that film 
Like she was the second, you know, one of the main uh, characters and she just said, this script is so poor, I can't do it. And just walked away from it. And everyone else, the whole crew stayed. And and I don't know if you've seen that film, but like they just drafted in a, a new actress who looked as close as possible to her. No way. And, I've, and I've just not like, heard that story. How have that and then, just, and then just continued the thing as if it was her. <laughs> and like, he's still like, you know, they're like referring back to the old films as well. Like it so so weird that's amazing it's also amazing that she got a clause in her contract that said if at some point you decide this script is a crock of shit you can just walk away (laughs) yeah she was just like you know imagine she just thought this takes the absolute piss now it's it's just getting and it's true like i'm sorry but that that film was uh just completely ludicrous (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's i mean look i maybe you know if Hopefully, if uh, our careers last for for many many more years, we might have a very different view. Might become cynical and like I, I used to care about what I put out there. I used to think it was important that people cared, but it turns out no one cares. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, that's sort of what, and maybe sort of bring us to a, a close. Here. It was quite what, kind of another reason I wanted to d- discuss it was that I think because you know we're always seeing interviews by you know, the top people, people who are the very top of their game, whether it's actors, directors, photographers, and very often they'll say, you know, like, you got to stick to your vision, man. Just keep keep your heart and your vision clear. And it's like, I'm sure they believe that and they believe that in that moment, but you are, they are speaking at the absolute zenith of their careers. And, you know, there was a time where they were probably walking around Hollywood trying to get someone to listen to them, trying to get someone to sign them to their roster mm. and having to actually compromise a lot, a lot more. So I think... Just for the for, for for truth and balance's sake, it's sometimes it's you've got to remember that everyone started somewhere, and that there will there will be an element of having to just kind of work your way up, and just listening to someone at the top telling you to just like drop everything is not necessarily always super useful. No, it's not, and it's, it definitely seems to be the way these days, particularly in the music world. It's incredible how a band has to just have an album pre-made with hits, otherwise it won't get released. And, you know, bands aren't allowed, you know, like like bands used to write albums in studios. They mm. used to be given a studio time for like three months and just like be left to be creative. And like often the albums would just flop. Like Zeppelin wrote some stuff that was just really not their best stuff. And then they released some albums that were just like complete smash, amazing pieces of, you know, history in modern music. And that just doesn't exist anymore there's no like kind of give from the top if you see what i mean yeah like it's just completely like and i think it's because so many more people are are actively out there doing creative things now maybe more than before um that they have more choice to choose from and it's kind of like you know if you're not willing to toe the line you just kind of get replaced by by someone else and and i it seems like, yes, yeah, it's, it's just a really tough blend of uh, real talent, real hard work, real creativity and effort, but also being um, packageable mm. <laughs> as yeah. well. Yeah, there's, and, there's uh, 7 billion content creators out there now, so it's a stiff competition. <laughs> it's, a sim- yeah. it's a similar thing you were saying with music to screenwriting, actually. In the 70s, 80s and 90s, you know, people would get hired to write a script get a really really nice cushy advance and then be told right now go away and write the script whereas now it's basically like you just go away you do you 
live however you can, write that script, and then maybe someone will buy it at the end, which is tough. But like that's the world we live in. Yeah, and but it's all it's all just like everyone's just been checkmated because you know the the uh, I'll say this actually, something I find extremely frustrating is um, people who will are willing to do work for free. Uh, now this is a tricky subject because a lot of people have to do that to get some experience, mm. and, and a lot of companies use that as a thing. You know, they'll they'll identify someone as having some talent, and then they'll want to use them uh, or ability or whatever word you want to use, and, and they'll want to use them for for some work, but they don't want to pay them because they're you know they leverage their inexperience with you know the experience they're getting and um it's uh it's a tough one because everyone has to do it a little bit but then there are so many people now doing things for like ridiculously cheap or mm. and just driving the prices down for everyone but i think there are some people who m- money isn't an issue and they often go into the creative world uh and they just they've got like a trust fund or whatever or some sort of huge financial backing or safety net and they just kind of want to be perceived as successful so they just take on things and do it all for free and it makes things very very hard for other people and for some reason i i feel like the uh yeah uh creatives are, are slowly being kind of played down to the lowest denominator you know kind of like slowly the opportunities and everything are just being whittled away bit by bit yeah. like for example when we spoke to some tourism boards for some like huge com- like co- we're talking to like countries and like governments here who mm. have got loads of money and they turn around and they say we have no budget for this project we're doing and it's like how does x country have no money to pay for someone doing their uh their tourism campaign yeah it makes no sense I know. like I, I was I, I was approached by uh a supermarkets uh who are who shall remain nameless uh waitrose and <laughs> and and I did uh they asked me to do a shoot for well to, to supply a picture for their front cover of their magazine and they said that they had no budget for it and I said you I just said like are you sure you don't have a budget for your own magazine you know, are you that strapped for cash? Like, is, yeah. is the whole like Waitrose John Lewis group really <laughs> that strapped for cash? And then it just—I'm guessing that they normally get an email back saying, "Oh, that's fine. Here's the file." Yeah. Uh, but I said I just pointed out how daft it is, and the person replied saying, "Like, I know how crazy. Like, I know it's a bit embarrassing that I have to send that kind of thing." Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's that <laughs> thing where it's never up. usually that person's fault. It's probably the people above them. But yeah, that's that's absolutely diabolical. And I think I guess but that's a, that's another compromise thing because like so many people are just like undervalue themselves or like overestimate what someone else is doing for them which is usually nothing mm. <laughs> like you know even if you get on the front you know my picture was on the front cover of this waitrose magazine what's that gonna do for me really like people are just gonna pick it up and they'll go oh that's a nice picture and then they'll just get in there and find out their bloody sea bass recipe that they want to cook that's in there yeah. <laughs> you know they're not gonna they're not gonna go oh look at that picture i'm gonna now uh research this photo you know like tiny little name in the corner 
uh, I'm going to go research this person and and take them on for a project myself. It's it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's oh, it's such it's such a tricky thing that I never know what the right answer is. Like, I think I always just have to gauge it by like who it is that's asking you to work for for free or for you know like ridiculously cheap. Like in the in the film industry, that's obviously such a thing because everyone's starting out on these low budget films and films are so expensive. There's never enough money, so you kind of people have to do favors and there's an argument that that should be completely outlawed, but at the same time. Um, there is you know benefits for it and i'm sure i've probably done a little bit of like free or very low paid work that has actually been a useful springboard and helped me go to other places i know i've definitely worked with crew members where i've been like oh i'm really sorry but like you know this the pay for this is just going to be really really crap but then you know off the back of that we've kept the friendship kept the relationship going and then there's been it's led to more you know decent work and stuff so it's important to keep that there is there is a there is a role and a time for it, but then it also obviously is a, a not a de- very very not ideal thing. And if and you know it's one thing if your friend is coming to you and saying, "Look, I want to make this little horror film. Do you want to help me out?" It's very different from a, you know, like you say, a big a huge brand being like, "Hey, we have like you know we're on the stock market worth X billion pounds, and we want this for free, please." Like that's a different kettle of fish. I know it makes no sense. Well, I said to uh, Waitrose this well, this person who who was contacting me. I said um, I'll do it for free as long as the next time I have no budget for shopping, I can just fill up my trolley and walk out. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So yeah, and she, and she was like, "Yeah, I see your point." <laughs> All right. It's like, where are you going with that? Oh, I, I just don't have budget for it. I'm sorry, but thank you anyway. It's great exposure anyway. when I eat your food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll make sure I flap the packaging around while I'm having my falafel wrap. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's uh, let's leave things there, and um, we've got some exciting guests in the pipeline at the moment. We're just trying to get scheduled, so look out for that in coming weeks. Yes. All right. Take care, folks, and take care, Alan. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Candela. You can keep up with future episodes and news on the show on our Instagram at Candela Podcast. That's at C-A-N-D-E-L-A Podcast. We will also be posting photography and cinematography that we like on there. You can also find us on YouTube and Vero.